0: Welcome to Something for the Turbo, the new weekly podcast brought to you by Unfound, the global platform for the travel-loving cyclist hi everyone welcome back to another episode of something for the turbo as ever thank you so much for tuning in and listening if you're new to the show welcome make sure you go back and check some of our previous episodes as well because we've had some amazing conversations with all sorts of cycling personalities from around the world and make sure you subscribe and tell all your cycling friends and keep spreading the good word anyway i hope you are all well and surviving the current madness that is going on there seems to be some light at the end of the tunnel it almost makes it more frustrating so wherever you're listening in the world. We hope you are well cycling lots and keeping well and healthy do download the unfound app you can find that in the app store or in google play join a global community of cyclists and share your rides and stories and photos and articles and much much more There's cyclists from all around the world on there so we look forward to seeing you on there and i wanted to give a shout out to a local business and friends of unfound today this is not a paid advert i must stress that but given the fact that we've had very few champagne podium moments with the lack of racing this year and with the festive season fast approaching I wanted to give a shout out to friends Roebuck estates who are a award-winning sparkling wine producer in Sussex in the UK here their produce is absolutely magnificent I think it would make superb Christmas presents or, or just a general treat over the festive period so you can find their website it's roebuckestates.co.uk that's roebuckestates.co.uk and there's various discounts for the festive period on there as well so do go check them out and I know that they supply all over. the world as well so i'm sure if you drop them a line they'll help you find your nearest stellar of their produce but it's magnificent stuff check it out it might just bring a little bit of festive cheer to the households around the world anyway today we're following on from last week's conversation where we had a fascinating insight into the world of historic classic frames we're going to the modern day and we we're catching up with master frame builder and founder of barbastelli Tom Skinner about the wonderful world of artisan hand-built steel frames. We discuss his journey into bike building, how it all works, welding, how it's evolved over the years, what you should consider when buying a hand-built frame, steel bikes that weigh just 5.5 kilograms, fully built up, the various difference between carbon titanium gravel bikes welding cargo bikes and lots lots more so i think you'll really enjoy this one but without further ado let me bring you tom tom thank you very much for joining us how are you today you're good
1: i'm very good thank you
0: excellent how's your year been given all the craziness that must have affected your business quite significantly in some ways
1: it has yeah yeah crazy i think is a good way of, of putting it a lot has changed like personally i've had to dial back my frame building somewhat to pick up more repair work but now that we're getting to winter the repairs have kind of gone back to a steady flow and I'm back doing lots of lots of frame building which is what primarily i love doing excellent
0: look thank you thanks for joining us again today i thought this would be a really nice segue after last week's episode where we where we sort of discovered a little bit more around the kind of historical classic frames artisan building of yesteryear Mm -hmm. and to follow up to and we mentioned in that obviously podcast that that there are still master frame builders out there creating frames and now obviously we've got you on today to tell us a little bit about your trade and how that works but why don't we go back a little bit and why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your background to cycling and how you got into it and then then we can come on to how you got into frame building
1: okay so i mean i can't remember a time where i didn't cycle so i, I one of these people i've already never really classed myself as a cyclist i just always had a bike and always cycled i guess i was quite lucky in that respect and for, at the same time you know i've always fixed my own bikes like if i had a puncture i'd fix it and i always had a set of allen keys and a set of spanners in the garage always tinkering with things and then i Went off and did, went to university, did a degree in photojournalism and taught me everything I didn't want to know about photojournalism. And so after that, I decided to do engineering with the end goal of becoming a bike maker because it's ah. always been a passion. So I was like, oh, I really want to get into bike making. How do I do yeah. that? OK, I need an engineering degree. Let's, let's do engineering and then I'll end up making bikes. Um, and I got about halfway through that, and then I discovered that there's the bicycle academy, which is based in Froome. Yes, they're actually pretty close to me. Someone told me about it. It's like, oh, you're doing engineering to become a bike maker. You know, there's a school you can go to, and they teach you everything you need know, to know about making bikes. And it was like a revelation for me. So I, I kind of I, I stopped doing my engineering degree and put all the money that I would have spent finishing that on going to the bicycle academy doing a frame building course and buying all the machinery and tooling I needed to start my own business building frames so far I haven't had a reason to regret it
0: um, So far, yeah. Well, uh, hopefully not yeah so, so tell us a little bit about about the school and, and how it works I have heard of it before so it's down in Somerset in the UK isn't it it is yeah and um, how does the course work and what kind of, what do they teach you and I'm a bit of a sort of I love the look of steel bikes but I don't know much about them or how they're made and stuff so give us a bit of an insight in terms of what you learn over there.
1: Okay, so they teach you. So there's lots of different methods of joining steel tubes, steel tubes together. They teach you oxyacetylene brazing, which is where you use an oxyacetylene flame to heat the steel tubes. And then you add um, a filler metal, normally brass, which melts at a lower temperature to the steel. And that's what joins them together. Um, it's kind of clo- the closest thing that most people have heard of is like soldering, like where you heat the, yeah. the bits and then you add a little uh, something that melts at a lower temperature. Yeah, so um, you're using brass to do that. So I'm using brass, but I mean, I use lots of different filler materials, but primarily brass. Yeah, there's like a, it's a sif. Sif is the company that makes the stuff I use. I think, it's, I think actually it's bronze, if I'm remembering correctly. But yeah, primarily it's got brass in it and some other stuff. And yeah, so, so you go to the school and they kind of they do lots of different courses. So they can do, they do like a, a weekend course, I think, where you get to kind of assemble your own bike. But the the teachers there have a a big hand in what in helping you along so they'll help you with the joints and things like that they have like a one week course which teaches you how to make a a frame in a very kind of abbreviated fashion so kind of just you actually get to build it but you you don't really learn that much of the background of it you just know learn the process and then the longer course that i did which is where they go into all the all the theory and all the fit and design the the bench setup jig setup what all the different angles on the bikes do relative to the things what all the different tubes do and why you'd pick. You know a 38 millimeter down tube over a you know 28 millimeter down tube you know so there's reasons for everything they go into much much more depth and then you build your first bike with them and then from there it's kind of that gives you a good base but there's still like so much to learn so you go off well what for me i went off and i, I just started building frames and um, started with myself built a couple of bikes for myself some yeah some were great some were not so great but you just you only realize what doesn't work by trying it and realizing it doesn't work
0: yeah amazing so you're constantly learning i suppose you obviously get like the technical know-how at the school and just the the sort of raw basis and and engineering and then you're sort of adding your personality as you go along the more years you do it you you learn different things of you know how to do things and stuff
1: yeah definitely um so i i always kind of say that bike building is or frame building is is kind of part precision engineering and part sculpture because you've got some areas of the bike like your dropouts where your back wheel goes and your your head tubes and your bottom bracket shells really really precise machines with exact diameters and taps and then you've got some of the tubes once you've got those kind of hard points in place you can kind of do whatever you want between those like you know i use straight tubes and i and sometimes i uh, got a little bit of a curving but you could use like really curvy tubes you could use lots of like tiny little ones to join it all together you could kind of do anything as long as you've got those beginning those those contact points in exactly the right spot that's so strange
0: you've got that precision and then you you can be quite creative with that i suppose you, you can, can really bring yeah. in your own views and ideas yeah. and, and before we sort of go into that in a little more mm. depth you know with regards to the conversation i had last week i mean since you learned your your trade do you have a, a more of a appreciation of some of the classic frame builders of yesteryear in terms of how they built their names and brands and reputation and some of the work that they did the craftsmanship that they did as well
1: yeah i mean if you look back at the the older kind of school of, of bike building you know they all the all the frames kind of look the same like if you yeah. compare them to nowadays with carbon frames you've got all these crazy shapes and crazy designs and you know everything's very very like you can look at a particular brand of bike and you go oh yeah that's a such and such because visually you can just see from the from the outline of it whereas if you go back you know 30 40 years you know it was just that diamond shape for most of the bikes and so those bike builders built their reputation on the quality of their work not just an interesting shape or something that's visually appealing it was like the, the pure craftsmanship and the way they put those tubes together because a lot of them are using the same tubes and the same shape so it's it's down to the really really minute details that that set them apart oh, that's really interesting and
0: then today as a sort of modern artisan uh, frame builder obviously you, you've got more so what's changed you've got more flexibility in terms of shape but but also materials as well what else has changed between then and now
1: uh yeah so materials have come on a long way there's a lot a lot of new like steel alloys coming around so they're much lighter and stronger than what they used to be you've got like a lot of mixed materials as well so a lot of people putting a mix of steel and carbon fiber or steel and titanium into their bikes which is really really cool because it can different materials work in different ways so you can kind of utilize materials in an aspect of a frame where that one particular material works better than what you're kind of using for other parts of the frame yeah and then yeah i mean i think there probably always was people making different shape bikes um i mean you've got the flying gate frame which has got like a, a sat back seat post so if you've ever seen yeah. one but it's it's kind of a very unique design but i think people have got more accept- accepting of you know, using metal tubes in different ways rather than just making the classic diamond. Yeah.
0: And so, as as a sort of frame builder, tell us what your philosophy is as a sort of master craftsman. What what how do you how do you sort of approach building frames? Or let's say I was a sort of prospective customer, mm-hmm. how does it work? What's the process? What, what's your sort of thought process? And 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 what is as I suppose your your key knowledge areas?
1: Um, well, I suppose. <laughs> you know if someone's coming to me as a customer they're, they're coming to me for one of a few different reasons so one could be you know i'm really big or i'm really small or i've got really long arms and i can't find a bike that fits me so i want something that's perfectly sized to fit me i've got a friend who's like he's a rugby player and he's about eight foot tall um and he just couldn't ever find a bike big enough so i built him a bike a frame that was i mean the seat post was like up to my elbow it was you know it's huge massive massive bike and yeah and so that's that's one aspect like someone who can't find a a bike that fits them off the shelf. They might come to get one kind of custom made. And if you're that person, the first thing we do is we do like a really in-depth bike fit. I work with a a chap called Brian, who's based down the road from me. Uh, He has a business called The Bike, The Body, and he specializes in bike fitting and like on-bike physio. So he'll look at your physical attributes and kind of make adjustments to a bike fit kind of standing jig as it were and then from once he's kind of got your biomechanics dialed in perfectly for you being on a bike we'll take the the hard points, so your your bottom bracket your seat your handlebars and we'll design the frame in those points interesting um okay yeah the other thing you could have is you've got a bike that you really like and you want another one so, you know, classic, someone's bought a classic steel bike and they really, really love it, but it's kind of, it's getting a bit old and they want to kind of keep it as a as their summer bike, as it were, or they're for like for special occasions. And they're like, but I really like the shape and the fit of the bike. So, and in that case, I'm just copying the frame, like almost one for one, which is kind of, it takes a little bit of the, uh, the design out of it, but you end up with a, a kind of another kind of super bespoke uh, creation but maybe a little bit yeah. modernized. You know, it might have disc brakes or it might have DI2 shifting, as opposed okay. to like your kind of, your like down tube shifters or something. Yeah.
0: And, and I can imagine doing like a, a sort of copying a frame like that. I bet yeah. it's surprisingly difficult. It's, it's, it's it, the same.
1: hardest aspect, yeah, because it has to yeah. be millimeter exact in every single dimension yeah uh, so that's kind We're of where the, the presumed, presumed precious and engineering element comes into it i suppose
0: yeah absolutely absolutely yeah we know we are precious that's kind of good and and in terms of steel as a material just obviously you're obviously passionate about about the material but what, what are your views in terms of the benefits compared to carbon or titanium or the different characteristics of all the different materials that are used to make frames
1: i mean obviously i'm really biased because i make steel bikes and i'm I just find them really comfortable to ride. Yeah. Which sounds really hard because you think steel is actually a really hard material. I think on if you look at the Young's modulus, it's one of the hardest materials out there compared to aluminium and 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 titanium carbon fibre. But it's just something about it. It's got like um like a springiness to it. So as you cycle, it kind of it moves with you. So as you like push your feet down the pedal, the frame flexes slightly away to kind of cushion that that movement and then as you take pressure back off that pedal it kind of the frame moves back and you kind of get that power that you've put into the frame kind of comes back into your into the drivetrain so it kind of it feels like it lessens the dead spots you know that being said people do love some people love a really 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 stiff bike and I can't see why carbon fiber you, you wouldn't use carbon fiber that sort of thing but for me like if you want something that's kind of racy and comfortable and kind of I don't know more ergonomic it feels. Then I yeah. think steel is is absolutely fantastic. I just can't can't find a material that beats it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you've got the individual sort of tailored element to steel as well. Yes, as opposed to sort of standardized sizing throughout. And in terms of obviously, so steel kind of I suppose mid '80s is when it kind of in terms of the the major bike manufacturing materials sort of petered out a little bit, and then obviously we got aluminium, and then obviously onto carbon. and And the primary reason I suspect is was weight. Is that the reason it kind of went that way? Um, um, I, I
1: think so, yeah. But that being but, that being said, I think it's all it's kind of come back round again because some of the the steel tubes these days are so unbelievably light that you can make yeah
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so obviously the the a lot has changed in that time yeah uh, the, the technology of, of just how you do things and also the tubing as well mm. tell us about the tubing and how that's evolved and what what options or more lightweight options there are there you mentioned using steel and carbon as well T- tell us about some of some of the different variations there we can look at
1: um so there's lots of like steel is a is an alloy so it's 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 iron and carbon and a load of other stuff and that load of other stuff is a closely guarded secret by uh by lots of people who make the tubes so you know i i buy all my tubes from columbus and they're an italian tube manufacturer and yeah they they create lots of different like alloys and then from those alloys they make their tubes and some of them of some of them are quite heavy you know they're very traditional in their, their frames very thick wall thicknesses and then some of them are, are so thin like um, i've got some some stainless steel tubing and it's it's half a millimeter thick in the wall thickness which is wow just it's unbelievably thin like you have to be very very careful working with it until it's in a in an actual frame it's it's quite easy like if you drop it you can quite easily bend the end of your your kind of joint that you've just created but you can make really really light bikes i've I've just finished a, a stainless steel bike that that was uh, uh, five and a half kilos altogether um, and the oh, frame right. was only 1.1 1. 1. 1 kilos on that so you can make some really 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 light bikes and i know it's not like compared to some of the kind of top end like carbon bikes which are you know, getting to like 700 grams these days but you know it's not much more if you think 400 grams over the weight of a bike plus the rider you know, it's kind of not really worth thinking about.
0: No, it's a, it's a tiny amount. And mm. and do you think that we may see sort of pros riding at a, at a at a top end on steel again in the not too distant future?
1: I I, pro- I doubt it. Do you, just due to like corporate sponsorship. Yeah. I think a couple of years back there was the some of the riders in the Madison Genesis team rode the Tour of Britain on steel bikes just because oh, yeah. they found them more yeah. comfortable. So you know we we might do, but I I just there's not any really big. Well, there's a, a few. Big kind of steel frame producers, but there's a lot less now than there ever was, and it's just I don't think the industry would go back from making its carbon fiber frames to making steel frames.
0: I suppose it's more more time intensive as well to, to make them. I suspect.
1: I think so. Yeah, and yeah, the, the whole process, building process is different. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. The, the well, whole yeah.
0: I mean, in terms of obviously they make great road bikes, but mm-hmm. but but. But gravel bikes as well are you making gravel bikes without of steel
1: yeah so i mean so my first couple of years i was i was well, I, my first bikes that i made kind of for myself and kind of just to show everyone to kind of generate some interest they were kind of lightweight rim brake kind of racing bikes in a kind of yeah. classical sense and i think i got an order for about one of those and then every bike after that was a was a disc equipped road bike and that was that was the same for a couple of years um and then this year pretty much all i've built is is gravel bikes everyone just seems to be going for a gravel bike i think it's the versatility of it you can put you can ride it like it's a, like it's a road bike you know you just change the tires and then all of a sudden you've got a road bike a gravel bike so you can you know put some 28 mil six on it and go club riding and then you can change your tires to some 45c kind of chunky mountain bikey type tires and go like king alfred's way or something which is a kind of long distance trail that we've got yeah. around here
0: interesting and obviously still quite comfortable for gravel i imagine really comfortable pretty- yeah that, that flex yeah. that i
1: was mentioning before you know complements the the terrain really really well yeah. and at the same time if you have a crash or or you you know slip over you're not too worried about your frame getting damaged because it'll easily handle a bit of abuse
0: yeah, definitely. Well, and the same for bits of bits of gravel or stone, sort of coming up and hitting yeah. the frame, right? Haven't got that concern about it. So in that case, I mentioned, you know, do you think we'll still see steel back in the pro ranks? Maybe not, but with gravel riding exploding, yeah. you might see some of the sort of top gravel races riding steel in some of the the bigger races around the world.
1: Yeah, certainly not, on the already. Yeah, certainly on the longer distance, um, like the Tour Divide, which is I think Banff to Mexico in America, like north to south. Yeah. America through the States and the transcontinental race, which I, I don't know where it is actually this year. I don't think it didn't go ahead. I don't think, but for those longer kind of super endurance races, a lot of those riders will have bespoke steel bikes because they're tailored to that meet their exact needs. Yeah.
0: Of course yeah tailored for their needs and obviously probably take a, a little bit of the road buzz out yeah. uh, as well so just for oh, if it's long endurance just a little yeah. bit more comfortable from that side. And what about what about titanium? I mean how how does titanium differ to steel and and what what experience have you had with with that?
1: Uh I, I actually don't have any experience in titanium so I can't really comment on it it's a definitely it's definitely a much harder material to work with yeah. in terms of joining it together and um, you can't braise it you have to you have to tig weld it which is a whole different set of skills to what to what i have and the way you do it has to be in a in an argon atmosphere otherwise the heat just turns the titanium into like a chalky powder which is not what you want from a bike frame
0: what's an argon atmosphere that's beyond me Um,
1: so so argon is a is a inert inert gas Um, okay so you basically if you get any if you heat titanium in an atmosphere with oxygen um, it becomes titanium oxide which is the white stuff you get in sun cream Uh, protects your skin so you have to basically uh, fill your frame of the bike you're building with with argon so pure get rid of all the air that's in it and fill it with argon and then with the TIG torch it produce it around the, the arc of the welding electrode it has an argon feed so no oxygen is getting to the bit of the frame that you're working on yeah so really 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 tricky to do and I have mad respect for for the guys who do do it
0: yeah Quite, quite a different science as well yeah and and tell me about the sort of steel building community i mean mm. do, do you connect with other steel frame builders around the world exchange ideas and and yeah just just general views and things
1: yeah i do to to some extent i mean there's not really there's not like a a guild of, of frame builders or like a you know a, a kind of our own like network as it were but you know i talked to a lot of people on um other social media platforms like instagram is great because you always see other frame builders posting their kind of current projects or their kind of ideas and you can kind of like ask a few questions like oh how did you do that or you know i really like that concept do you think this idea that i was working on do you think that would work and then you kind of get like another kind of brain feedback from another brain on it because most frame builders they they're kind of they work up there on their own. So yeah, don't okay. have anyone quite to a lonely,
0: quite a lonely existence. Do you work on your own? I mean, it must be quite quite um, strange in that respect.
1: Yeah, it is really, really lonely. So the first kind of couple of years I, I just I kind of I've got my workshop is is at my house. Yeah. And so I it's living alone and I was working alone and it's kind of like just me and the dog. And it's like, oh, I just feel a little bit crazy. So actually I actually went and I became a part owner of a bike shop local. Post to me, so I could go there uh, a couple of days a week and I've got like a bit of social interaction. I was going to say, you, you were training for lockdown long before it was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, well, lockdown was like old hat. Like, oh, I've been doing this for, for years. um
0: Frame <laughs> builders around the world saying, oh, this is easy. We're yeah, used to this. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I did. There was, I think, a, quite a lot of frame builders were able to just keep going through through all the lockdowns and things but I do there was a few who had workshops either with other people or in other businesses and things and they couldn't get to their workshops and I can't imagine anything worse to be stuck at home and not have that kind of creative outlet as yeah. well as it's a, a business you know so you get your income and you get your your kind of the things that keep you sane all at the same time
0: yeah definitely uh, tell us tell us what a week looks like then for, for a frame builder how, how does it work how do you break things down how you know how long I think look most of us cycling enthusiasts and, and fans we're, we're often I don't know maybe don't quite appreciate just the the time and effort and work that goes into to a lot of the things that that, that we love. So to so tell us a little bit about like how do you build a frame? How long does it take? What does a sort of working week look like if you've got a build project on?
1: Yeah. Um, so I I probably it's less, it's more than a week. I, I kind of build my life around two week slots. So I'll have, so the first day of that will be my admin kind of stuff. So I'll have doing any design work that's that needs to be done ready for this project. I'm about to start any kind of ordering of components, materials for the following job. And then I'll unpack my box of tubes for the build I'm going to do. And I'll kind of mark them all up. So a lot of the tubes have a butted section. So a thicker section on either end. So you've got a thin section in the middle of the tube and then a thicker section at the end where you do the joints. So I go through and I mark up the on the tube with a Sharpie the, um, where the, the thicker sections are because they're not always symmetrical. Sometimes you have a, a very small one at one end and a very big one at the other end. So I mark those up ready for, for kind of joining. And then I will take my design that I did the previous admin day. And has, I've sent to the, the person who's I'm building the frame for and they've kind of double checked they're happy with all the measurements and everything. And it's exactly what they're looking for. And from that design, I will set up my jig. So it's it's one I got from the Academy Tools, who is the place in Froom who do the, the teaching. They also make uh, tools. So I've got a frame fixture. So I set up all of the, the kind of hard points. This is the kind of super precise thing. So you get it millimeter perfect on, on all of those aspects. Uh, and then I'll put in the dummy axle, which is kind of relative to the where the back wheel is going to be. So if it's a 142 through axle, I've got a 142 through axle dummy axle that I'll put the dropouts on. Put that into the jig. And then kind of the first thing I do is the is the the chainstays left and right. They're very, very tricky to do. (laughs) So I always do them first because it's like once you've got that done, everything feels really easy. Because you've got two tubes that have to be exactly the same, exactly the same length, exactly the same angle on them. And it's very, very easy to kind of to do one. And then when you do the second one you make it like half a millimeter too short so then you have to make the next one half a millimeter shorter and it's quite easy to overshoot that by a fraction of a millimeter and then you have to do the first one again and you just go backwards and forwards a few times until you get both exactly the same this
0: this is sounding super stressful so it's not stressful at all it's
1: it's it's wonderful it's very zen you can't focus on anything but what you're what you're looking at in front of you
0: fair enough but you haven't seen my doi it would definitely be stressful for me i'm hopeless at like measuring and angles and stuff like that but yeah so so the, well the measure can twice cut once
1: comes into it massively sorry say again like the measure twice cut once aspect of life comes into this massively
0: yeah i bet yeah yeah but does that happen though do you make sort of i'm sure you don't make many errors but i mean can things go wrong during the welding process and you have to start again and
1: oh yeah yeah i I mean well they say like the person who never did anything wrong never did anything like yeah i've i've made loads of mistakes and and half the half the job is figuring out how you fix those mistakes like often it's like if you did something wrong it's because you weren't concentrating so throw it away get a new one and, and and do it right and concentrate this time but then there's other things like especially if i'm building like a prototype for someone so um a bike that that's kind of outside of the realms of normality it's like I, there's no set way of doing it because i haven't invented how to do that yet so i'll try it and if it works great and if it doesn't then i'll try something different next time and yeah it's just it's a it's a process of you know, the first few bikes I make, is, it takes a very, very long time. Yeah. I think the first bike I, I made on my own took me about six weeks because I was wow. like cutting bits out and redoing them. And I'm not happy with that. So I'll do it again. And oh, that wasn't quite what I was expecting it to be. So I'll, I'll do it again. These days, I from from the first Monday to the final product is, is about a week, uh, is two weeks. So week one is is kind of building the frame. Week two painting and then assembly.
0: Um, Yeah. So talk me. I wanted to ask you about the the painting because we'll put all your um your Instagram and your website and and everything in the show notes. But and if you're listening, do go check them out because the the graphics on your frames are absolutely stunning. Uh, Talk us through that and and how you learned all that bit.
1: So. I just kind of trial and error with the painting. I've got had some friends who were uh, graffiti artists in Bristol, yeah. um, and so I, t- I sent them a couple of frames when I was starting out. Before I could really do any of the painting myself, there's a, a red, white, and blue track bike which everyone loves the look of. Always get loads of comments on that, and they did that and um, the pair of them. So I can't take any credit for that one. But then since then, you just it's kind of just one of those skills. Like I guess everything, the more you the more you do it, the more you practice, the better you get. So yeah, the first the first couple of frames I painted looked absolutely terrible and i ended up sanding them off and starting again and they kind of looked a little bit better and gets to a point where you're like okay that's probably as good as it can be this time and and then the next time you're kind of a little bit better a little bit better until the point where i'm happy with it and then like okay now i'm going to start doing this for people and and charging for it there's a lot of a lot of bikes i painted kind of just for friends and things for free at the beginning just to kind of dial in my my kind of abilities
0: your skill set yeah but i mean how how, i mean literally when i asked how you do it i mean like physically what how many layers how does it work it's it seems quite intricate process and such detail as well
1: so it's 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 like lots of lots of threes so i'll sandblast the frame which i do i've got a sandblasting room that i've created it's just some plywood panels and a sandblaster works really well though and then three layers of primer with a kind of light sanding after the third layer then i do my base coat so this is either going to be the color of the logos or the color of the frame depending on which masking technique i'm going to use so i'll put down three coats of that and then give it a light sand and then i'll do the next color so this is either either mask up the logos from that base color or put uh logos on with a like a negative template so you paint through them that makes sense
0: yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Um,
1: so uh, it's either the positive or negative technique and i use different ones for different things depending on which is the stronger color so i'll then put the, the logo the stencils on and i'll paint those yeah. um and then th- again three coats of that take the stencils off give everything a really light sand and then uh and then clear coating three coats of clear coating and then uh, not a light sand after that it's three very very light coats so yeah yeah because i mean you can get a lot of the it spray bike they do like a a canned version of bike paint which goes on a single coat which is which is great but i just find three lighter coats is gives a better depth of color than on really heavy coat yeah
0: yeah i mean well looking from looking at the photos absolutely spectacular it must be so gratifying to go you know two weeks of hard graph you're building the frame and then you're decorating it and then obviously building the bike up you must you must feel, feel sad giving these to customers from time to time you might uh, have to keep them all
1: some, sometimes yeah normally by the time you've stared at the same thing for two weeks you know, and they're not they're not short days either. I probably do a good time of ten, twelve hours, and it, wow. I, I I tend yeah. to not have a day off in that time either because I'll do a couple of days in the repair shop as well, just so I get my a little bit of like sanity from other people. Yeah. So it's kind of it's a good kind of you know ten ten twelve days solid working on the same project, plus all the design work that's kind of come before. So by the time you get to you get to finish it, you're actually quite glad to see the back of it sometimes. Especially if it's been one that's been a little bit tricky, like you've ended up redoing the the, the chainstays. A couple of times, you're like, "Oh, just glad It's that It's over. Get out of the workshop. Yeah, yeah get definitely. out of the workshop, and, it, and it start fresh again tomorrow with the next one." Oh, blimey!
0: Yeah, it's pretty hectic. Yeah. But it must be great getting like positive feedback from people that love your bikes. Obviously, you probably yeah. started off sort of selling them to friends and stuff. And how how have things grown from you? I mean, it's been, you've been doing it eight years now, right?
1: I have. Well, so I haven't been building my own frames for that for that time. So I started out in like 2012, yeah. buying old bikes and kind of like doing them up. Oh, okay. So I'd, I'd buy like. Uh, go on ebay and get a second hand frame and kind of maybe repaint it maybe get it painted maybe just kind of do a little patch repair on it or something uh quite often bought them with like broken seat stays and things and then did some carbon fiber repairs on them and then built them up in a bite like with components and stuff and then and then sold them on and then that would pay for my next my next project as it were and it kind of i, I did like doing that but the thing is you you know if you buy a trek and then you can spend you know 50, 60 hours working on it, and at the end of the day, it's still a track. It's not. Yeah. It's yeah, not. Yeah. It's not your creation. you are just kind of working on something else that someone else made, and that's yeah, why I wanted to I kind of get into building my own frames from kind of an, an early stage. But it's like getting there was like you know i was going to spend three or four years doing my engineering degree so it's like okay well this is a you know long-term thing in the meantime i can still keep doing what i'm what i'm doing and buying frames and doing them up yeah but then being able to create my own frames it's like okay well you know i'd do this and this is this is my frame i created it this is this is the bike that i built it's not just one i've I've repaired. It's 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 built by me. Yeah, that's
0: fair enough. So you get to put your own personality into it, and yeah, was kind of cool. And the track bike, I, I'll put mm. a link again in tonight to the to the track bike you did. But I would never have guessed looking at that. That's that, that's a steel bike. It's quite a very unique shape. Talk us through the shape to that.
1: So that was it. Was going to be a, a time trial bike because I I thought, oh, you know what, I really want to do is I want to really want to try time trials. So I'll make myself a time trial bike, and then I did a time trial, and I was like, no that's never going to happen again i'm never going to do that it's just too much suffering and pain and i like so i had this half finished frame and and i was like oh why don't i make a track bike that looks like a lot more fun uh in time trials and so i used a lot of i just went through the columbus catalog and they do a lot of profile tubing so you buy instead of round tubes you can buy like they like like um aerofoil shapes and they you can get one that looks like like a capital d is probably the best way to describe it so it's kind of like a a round that goes into a flat side and then a flat top to it yeah yeah and so i just went through the catalog and i kind of found all the most interesting shape tubing i could and and i use that to kind of build this this kind of track frame and then so if you're looking at the picture it's got like a set down stem so the yeah the, the top tube is is higher than the than where the stem connects to the head tube yeah and I, I kind of just it's one of those kind of i don't know sculptural moments i was just kind of I had this idea and I didn't really know how to do it. So I just kind of kept putting tubes on and cutting them and seeing how they worked. And then eventually I kind of found a shape that fitted and it's, it's got this really long, deep head tube section, which is actually, it's yeah. an, off, it's oh, an off cut. Yeah.
0: What is that? Yeah. So
1: the, yeah. So everyone's like, Oh, that's a really cool shape. How do you create it? And I mean, it's, it, it kind of looks a lot fancier than it is. So it's the off cut from the top of the seat post, onto the back yeah. of the round head tube with the, the top tube kind of fits onto the back section which was the off cut um, and then I brazed it together and then just kind of built up the joint between them with lots of material to kind of and uh, until it was over till the joint was bigger than both sides and then just sanded it down so it was flat and then just kept adding uh, filler around any bits that didn't quite look right to create like that sculptural shape thing yeah,
0: it's a fascinating looking bike it reminds me a little bit of like look did a bike didn't they a few years ago that had a yeah. similar kind of kind of shape to that yeah and, and tell us about the name of the business where did that yeah. come from uh so
1: barbastel is a species of bat it's I a,
0: thought it was a bat i was it's googling a bat. it earlier I yeah, like, yeah. A
1: bat? yeah yeah <laughs> yeah okay. um so it's which why my logo is like a, a bat wing yeah um but it's yeah so it, the barber still bat is kind of native to the southwest of england where i live and they're, they're supposedly really rare although as soon as i say oh it's a bat I'm like oh yeah no i've heard of those they they have got them in our on our in our barn so yeah so it's a, it's a rare bat of the southwest and i kind of which kind of which works um also my first workshop when i lived down in cornwall it had bats in in the kind of loft of the kind of building of it was a whole bunch of different studios and workshops and they had okay. bats in the in the rafters of, of the the loft there i don't think they were barbastel bats but kind of i was like oh what, i wonder what kind of kind of bat names there are and i was kind of looking through the list of all the different types of bats and i thought barbastel it kind of it kind of sounded like a italian racing well bike. that's what
0: yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was some sort of Italian play, sort of nod to Italian yeah. artisan frame building. And then I was Googling it, and it was, it was a bat. I was like, it can't yeah. be the bat, but so it is so a bat.
1: It's kind of a nod to all three aspects, say, the, the kind of yeah. Southwest England, the kind of Italian-sounding name, and then the uh, the, the bats I used to have in my, my workshop. Yeah,
0: very good. It's cool. I like the logo. I really, really yeah. like it, as I mentioned, all, yeah. the, all the graphics and artwork you do. Yeah, so
1: I'd the, the logo is actually, it's it's a... It's a two bat wing. it's like a wing upside down which is actually the negative space inside a frame so clever yeah so kind of i can't take credit for that either i had a friend design it but i just i like that that kind of aspect of it i, I like the duality of, of things
0: yeah it's very neat works very well i was going to say for anyone listening that, that has been thinking about getting a custom steel frame made or is sort of curious about it. What what do you think, you know, where can people start? Where can they find information? What should they be thinking about? What what would you sort of advise people if they're interested about getting a steel frame?
1: I mean the first thing I do is is kind of look around. Probably the local cycling clubs is always a good place to start because a lot of frame builder frame builders will cycle with a club or they'll you'll have people with in that club who have bespoke bikes. And kind of so, you know, obviously the first thing you want to do is kind of shop local. That's kind of my philosophy so find a, a frame builder local to you and kind of maybe speak to them about what you kind of what you want from your bike because yeah the it's really you don't have to know what bike you want the in fact it's easier if you don't it's easy the best thing to do is uh, this is what i want this is what kind of riding i want to do and they kind of let them interpret that because they'll pick different tubes to suit your end purpose, and they'll pick a different geometry and a different kind of maybe even different joining methods depending on what you're going to use your bike for. But yeah, there's loads of frame builders out there, and and Instagram is a good great place to find interesting ideas of of steel frames. There's a hashtag #SteelIsReal. Lots of lots of frame builders will post under that. Spend hours and hours just looking at, at the steel bikes on there.
0: Okay, and, and any particularly sort of the, that you've come across from from around the world outside of the UK that you you think are worth people sort of taking notice of?
1: Uh, yeah, there's um, English Cycle in the. US a guy called Rob who's a phenomenal frame builder one of his bikes actually ins- kind of inspired my my track bike he made a, a a time trial bike and that's kind of what I wanted to make because it just looks so cool in the pictures and then I decided I hated time trials so that's why it became a track bike but it was still very much in that kind of that theme there's in the UK there's a chap called Tom sturdy who owns sturdy cycles he makes really awesome uh, titanium bikes so they're okay. three titanium 3d printed sections uh, with titanium tubes joined onto them yeah really really cool bikes and there's another one prover cycles i think they're in uh, australia make some really really awesome stainless steel bikes and also what was
0: that uh, sorry prover was that
1: Prova? yeah and then there's bastion as well again i think australia who make 3d printed titanium lugs with carbon tubes which is okay. is kind of outside of my my area of love in terms of riding but they just look phenomenal very cool.
0: Excellent. Well, we'll make sure we put all of those links in the uh, in the show notes as well. So go and have a look if you want to daydream about some nice steel bike. Tom, tell us what... what oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say,
1: another place to check. Um, it didn't happen this year, but there's there's bike shows. So there's NABs in America, which is the North American Handmade Bike Show. And then in the UK, we've got a, a show called Bespoke, which traditionally was in Bristol, but I think next year is going to be moved to Harrogate. And that is the UK Handmade Bike Show. So if you're, if you're thinking about getting a bike maybe go to one of those shows and have a look around and meet the actual people who build them. Um yeah and you know you'll you'll find someone who has the same kind of interest in cycling you do or or someone you just particularly get on with. Yeah. Wow, and, that and,
0: I would love to get up for that. Do you know when that's going to be up in Harrogate next year? You I know roughly it's when it's the
1: first up? weekend of May but Brilliant. it's all, all locked down I'm going to be there, yeah, hopefully if 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 if, if the show goes ahead because it was supposed to be there this year and obviously with everything that's happened in the world it didn't it didn't go ahead probably for the best definitely but but yeah yeah yeah, Um, yeah, i've actually i've actually made quite a lot of friends through those sorts of shows not necessarily frame builders but people who just like cycling and if you come up and and you start talking to someone about uh, about your bike and then before you know it you've been chatting them for about two or three hours and you've Got a new lifelong friend. Yeah,
0: no, definitely. There's, there seems to be a lot of passion to to handmade frames as well. I think there's a there's a real sort of community around it, isn't it? I think there's yeah. sort of a knowing nod. Yeah, good. Yeah,
1: which I is think, good. And uh, go yeah, ahead. I was going to say the the for me the the underlying thing about steel frames is it's it's one of one. You know, there's not like there's not going to be another one that's exactly the same as your one out in the world. You know, there might be one that's like yeah, exactly. Like because if you you know you can buy a really nice you know S Works kind of frame and and build it up but there's probably someone else in the world who's got that same bike or you know you know it's not it's not a it's not anything completely different whereas if you go to a frame builder you know it's made to fit you and because no two people are the same no two bikes yeah. are the same so you know the the angles are going to be different the 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 reach is going to be different the stack's going to be different so there will there won't be another one of those bikes in the world ever because we frame builders we find it very hard to to do the same thing twice you know, we can make one thing yeah. really well really quickly but you try and make two things the same and all of a sudden it becomes very very difficult
0: yeah and and i suppose i mean i don't know if this is true or not but if, if it's obviously a bike for the individual a bike for you a bike for life yeah. you mentioned a bike for life there like mm. th- these frames will last a long time and i mean i d- I, don't, I know carbon technically doesn't have a fatigue date but i mean I am assuming that you're going to see these bikes lasting a lot longer than I suppose a, a carbon bike that someone buys and it's kind of out of fashion in five years time and then they're looking for another one, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. A lot of our, like steel frames as well will stick to very kind of set components, so we'll we we'll, yeah. we'll tend to use like the kind of standard 68 mil threaded bottom brackets and a 44 mil head tube because it's a known standard that's been around for a long time and will continue to be around for a long time uh, we hope whereas a lot of the carbon bikes um, use a lot of proprietary fittings so you know you don't know if in you know 20 years time you're going to be able to get headset bearings for your canyon air road you know because they're very very specific sizes and it could be that yes you can get them but they're phenomenally expensive now and actually is it worth spending two hundred pounds on a set of bearings now that for a bike that's, you know, twenty years old? Yeah. So it's difficult. And they say fashions change, you know, things that, you know, if you, even if you look back five years at carbon bikes, they look very, very dated compared to yeah, right.
0: I, I was looking at some the other day, just or even a little bit longer than five years, like eight mm. years ago, you're like, yeah. Oh my god, is that eight years ago? They look ridiculous. It looks
1: <laughs> so old, yeah. Whereas you look at a steel bike and it's like, well, it's classic, you know, it's it's kind of timeless. Yeah. Timeless. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, and what kind of riding are you doing at the moment? Are you doing much? Uh,
1: I'm not. No, I don't have the time to at the moment, but um, I do. I do love my road riding. Weirdly, I'm one of these people who love cycling up big hills. Yeah. I, I don't know, really. Yeah. Last year I did uh, the Vontu Triple, which was fantastic. And I was planning to get, go and do it again this year, but wasn't able to. Although that being said, a lot of my friends have got into gravel riding now and I have just started building my own gravel frame so that i can go with them so yeah so probably i'll be doing a lot of gravel riding in the near future
0: so, so you, in terms of your bikes that you're yeah. riding you, you're on a road bike of yours i take it
1: yes yeah, so i've got four or five road bikes of mine all of various various prototype ideas i have got two with two with discs three with rim brakes i've also got some uh, mountain bikes uh, i got made a uh, a hardtail uh, a couple of hardtails you, you made sorry from steel
0: from steel yeah, steel can hardtails you
1: yeah yeah oh, um, and i've just finished a steel full suspension bike as well which is a lot of fun to ride
0: yeah i bet i hadn't really thought about steel for, for mountain bikes
1: oh yeah yeah if you're going to go for steel mountain bikes have a look at curtis frames um okay they they do some they found a way to do like a, a clear powder coat which means you can have the steel and all the braze uh, visible and yeah wow. the, the the kind of craftsmanship on 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 those full suspension bikes is like astounding astounding amazing I'll definitely check them out
0: yeah. and, in, and in terms of components and stuff mm. obviously you work with each customer each customer has their own preferences as different from bike to bike but yeah on, on a personal level what what do you like building up with well what you built your bikes up with
1: I, I have to say I'm, I'm not really particularly fussy I've got some with Shimano Mechanical, some with Shimano Di2, uh, some with the SRAM ETAP, some with SRAM Mechanical. I like kind of, you know, different, different things for different different uh, for the different builds. Also, just like the variety of things out there. And it's quite nice to, to, to mix and match. And I know it's probably sacrilege to some people, but I quite, yeah, I just like putting different things with different things and seeing what works. And quite often refinish a lot of my own parts as well. So um, okay. I I quite often like sand off the the finish on brake levers and, and repaint them a color to match the frame. Um, oh, it doesn't no. mean they kind of sit on that frame, but, you know, you can't change bits between bikes too easily. But yeah. just, I don't know, it's just that extra, the next level of kind of custom, custom. Yeah. Yeah. Because why not? If you're going to custom, why not custom everything? Yeah, definitely.
0: And and how do you think your industry is going to evolve over the next sort of five or 10 years, or just the cycling industry as a whole? What, what are you sort of anticipating?
1: So, I mean, I think it's probably going to be a lot of electric bikes and a lot of, of cargo bikes seems to be the popularity at the moment, certainly through the, the shop I work at. Everyone, everyone wants a, a an e-bike. Um, I think just the, the versatility of I don't have to worry about that really big hill on the way home because I can just turn my motor up a notch. It gets a lot of people out on their bikes who wouldn't normally cycle as well, which is really, really good. Um, That's brilliant.
0: That's what I love about it. I, lo- yeah. I, I absolutely love it. yeah,
1: Yeah. And then cargo bikes. We've seen lo- like through the shop, we've seen loads of people selling second cars and replacing them with cargo bikes because, you know, you can drop the kids at school and then continue on to, to work. And you don't, you know, if it's only going to be 15, 20 miles, there's no need to drive that. And then you have a, a one family car for longer journeys
0: that's fantastic that's actually brilliant to hear i was reading somewhere the other day that i think something like a huge percentage of of all car journeys are are like under 1.8 miles which just seems crazy So if people are doing uh you know if if there's a huge increase in cargo bikes that can only be a big thing because i also read that i think post uh, i think in march april since since the lockdown in in china as they open back up apparently the increase in traffic has just been incredible and i'm starting to see that here in the uk as well yeah that you know while people aren't getting buses and public transport and, and you know there has been a, a, a sort of big increase of cars where it feels that way on the roads at the moment so hopefully you get more people onto bikes.
1: bike yeah definitely and i mean certainly over here i mean riding around those first few weeks weeks of lockdown it was like a dream like there was no cars on the road everyone was on oh, a bike man. it was yeah, yeah, yeah it was just it was just brilliant and it's kind of just got i mean we've got, kind of gone back to where we were which is not necessarily a bad thing but it was definitely better when there was less cars and more bikes
0: oh, i loved it For, first lockdown was amazing but i actually think the cars are worse now than they were sort of pre pre-covid to be honest with you i think there's more 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 people driving than than uh, than before because people aren't getting public transport so yeah
1: that's a good point yeah
0: that'll settle down hopefully that will settle down. But look, thank you so much for for taking the time to have a chat. Have I missed anything? Is there anything else you want to bring up or mention? Or have you got any questions?
1: Uh, No, I was gonna say if people are interested in in cargo bikes, and because a lot of people are, are very skeptical about taking their kids on on cargo bikes or cycling to school or something, there's a really fantastic documentary called Motherload, which is about the kind of cargo bike cycling as a family kind of fraternity as it were but yeah definitely check that out it's it's a real eye opener is
0: that on youtube or something
1: i'm not sure where it is i the bike shop i work for did a screening pre-lockdown for it okay, one of cool. the one of the owners of the shop was an investor in the film and so we got like an advanced copy to watch mother load
0: okay i'll see if yeah. i can dig it out and, i think it um,
1: online for
0: a couple yeah. of yeah good i'll post it in the show notes we'll post it with your Instagram account and your website as well if anyone yeah. is listening that is interested in getting uh a, a wonderful steel frame made with passionate care and great technical ability do get in touch with tom i think you know i think that everyone should have a steel bike basically
1: yeah i do too but um you know the other thing i was gonna say is if it- listening have listening questions about steel bikes or getting into building give me a shout because I'm quite happy to kind of talk about it I love talking about bikes as much as I love building bikes so uh, yeah just drop me an email and I'll, I'll give you some pointers you're
0: very kind brilliant Tom thank you so much thanks so much for your time really good right. to speak to you thank you yeah. for the fascinating insight into the world of steel and stay in touch when you and hopefully we'll, we'll see you up in Harrogate in, in yeah. May
1: that'd be great drop by and say hi
0: absolutely all right Tom thanks so much for taking thanks. the time and we'll catch you. you soon Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast and more importantly, don't forget to download the Unfound app and join cyclists from around the world on the hub. We'll see you on there.